0: Hello and welcome to D-Up Podcast. This is Luis Balletta, and this is where you want to stop in if you're looking for the drama, the subplots and all the storylines of the NBA. Everything that happens out of bounds, this is it. This is your stop. It is one great time to be an NBA fan right now. And we're going to get to the NBA playoff brackets. We'll get to the Lakers. But right now, let's start with the changing of the guard. And that's Damian Lillard. Dame Dollar made us holler in a big way last night, scoring 50 points. I will repeat, 50 points. Now if you know how hard it is to score 50 points against a playoff defense, then you can really appreciate Damian Lillard for who he is showing to be. Last night, a legacy was being created and another legacy was being torn down. I told you Portland and OKC last week was the premier matchup in the NBA playoffs just because of the sheer intensity of the matchups, especially in the backcourt. Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum versus Russell Westbrook and Paul George. You can't ask for much better than that. And we got what we paid for times 10. Uh, just because the series didn't go seven games doesn't mean a thing. We saw a heavyweight bout between Westbrook and and Damian Lillard, and one that we will never, ever forget. Now, Russell Westbrook's stock went down dramatically because of his shot choices. I think he shot around 36% for the series. That did not tell the story. The story was the eye test. See, Russell Westbrook might have averaged around a triple-double in this series, but Damian Lillard really controlled Russell Westbrook and dominated him to the point where... The eye test proved Damien to now be the new guard in the West over Russell Westbrook. And Damien does it in such quiet, quiet fashion. He's a very relaxed guy on the court, very composed, doesn't talk a lot, which just opposes the, the outlandishly loud, crazy, aggressive, 100 miles an hour Russell Westbrook. Damien just appears to be more likable As a player, and to the fans, and to everybody I've spoken to. And by the way, he's leading the playoffs in scoring. If you haven't checked, he's the James Harden of the playoffs. Averaging 33 points per game right now. This 50-point game he just had was one of the best playoff performances I've ever seen. The last second shot was one that I never thought could even be made. A sidestep near half court over a lengthy Paul George. I had to watch it 10 times over to actually believe that it went in. I mean, the guy trusted that shot so much to run the clock to one second and then pop the shot at the buzzer. That shows complete confidence in his game, and it's something that he's been doing. I mean, I think he hit about four of those shots, four of those long three-pointers in the series, looking like Steph, Trey Young, And Damian's got his own thing on it right now. And he's looking to be one of the best players we've seen in a while. And I can't wait to see what he does next round versus either the Denver Nuggets or the San Antonio Spurs. And we will get to that. It's just right now. Let's talk about this last past series and both of the superstars' performances in Russell Westbrook and Damian Lillard. I think the fans are tired of Russell Westbrook's crying, hooting, hollering, and all of the press conference stuff that he does with not answering the questions, just the bad attitude in general. We don't take to that stuff very well. And it's great to be the bad guy, but the bad guy has to produce. See, LeBron James was vilified for a while, and now the new villain is Kevin Durant. But Russell Westbrook in the current state of the NBA affairs is now that guy and we're almost now loving to hate him because here's a guy that doesn't have a good relationship with not only uh, the press but fans other NBA players but you have to produce you have to win you can't shoot 36 percent in the playoffs you can't throw up ill-advised shots when your teammates are maybe a little bit hotter than you Um, lots of Lots of credit to Russell for getting here uh, and and the OKC Thunder team and Paul George. Yet, for all of the good that they did down the stretch, there was a lot of mistakes throughout the, mis- the series and bad decisions and sort of selfish decisions for Russell Westbrook. And, you know, his stock declined ever since Kevin Durant left. He hasn't been anywhere in the playoffs since KD left. This head-to-head matchup of Westbrook and... Lillard was so refreshing because we're so used to seeing these buddy buddy guys play each other and you know we don't get a lot of the elbowing to the ribs and the joint back and forth. I mean the real intense stuff. We don't get a lot of that anymore because the 90s are gone. We get a lot of the guys that practice together on the offseason. They pat each other on the butt and you know they go hard at each other but they don't want well, to take each other's throat out. I feel Westbrook and Lillard wanted to really, really hurt each other in this playoffs. They did not like each other. And it's a, it was a wonderful storyline to see develop. And I'll look forward to this in years to come. But we knew when he hit that shot, when Damian Lillard hit that shot, we knew who he was waving goodbye to. It wasn't the OKC fans. It wasn't the, the OKC bench. It wasn't the team. He was waving goodbye to old smack-talking Russell Westbrook. I knew these two teams didn't like each other, but it got a little bit more real when this whole drama unfolded. And now we have next year to look forward to. Hopefully, these two teams stay very similar and they, they wind up playing each other again. Uh, we know with free agency, with trades, we, we, we know not to get used to players in the same jerseys. Moving on to the secondary stars in this series. C.J. McCollum was absolutely phenomenal. He's smooth, he's measured, and he's a huge reason why the Portland Trailblazers came back in that fourth quarter, and he's a reason why they've been winning in the series versus OKC. He's just a guy that makes solid, efficient shots, and he can especially do it at the end of the games, as we've seen in this last fourth quarter of the last game here, the Portland closeout series last night in Portland. My God, I mean, for his ego to be in check at the end of the game with Damian Lillard, for him not to have taken that last second shot and give it to Lillard was was great in itself. Because if you remember, CJ hit that runner off the glass. He he made a huge shot at the top of the key, and he was feeling it. But the story of the night was, was Lillard. At that point, he had 47 points. You know, Portland grabs a rebound on a Westbrook miss on the other end, and then he dribbles it down. Lillard dribbles it down, and bang, the shot goes in, and everybody's happy. You know, we saw CJ go crazy. We see our canter, and it was just a jubilation period. But CJ is one hell of a player. He's fundamentally sound, and the two of them play so well together. It's, it's wonderful to watch. There's no tension at all. I don't even remember any resistance between the two of them. And Paul George, on the other end of things, he played really well last night, I thought. Um, He did miss those two crucial free throws, and obviously the last-second shot over his outstretched arms, uh, that went in over him. But he did show up. I know there was a lot of playoff questions about whether he could produce. Um, in a in playoff series like he does in the regular season, I think he did answer the questions this year, and, and Paul has arrived, unfortunately, as an individual and not as a team win this year. We have a dynamite series awaiting in Denver and San Antonio for Portland in the next round. Uh, To catch you up to date with that, last night the Denver Nuggets did win versus the Spurs. So Denver's up 3-2 on the Spurs right now in that pivotal Game 5. Denver helped secure uh, the, the control of the series. I think either one of them will be a fun matchup, a great matchup for Portland, and we'll have a lot to watch. Uh, San Antonio has the the Popovich-coached defense that can keep the stars of Portland in check. And then we have Denver, the Nuggets, who have the young legs that would make a, for a very fast-paced, fun, glitzy series with the Trailblazers. So... Um, Either one, I'm okay with. I think it's going to be great to see Jamal Murray. I would love to see him go up against the backcourt of the Trailblazers. We would have another backcourt sensational matchup over there because uh, Murray is super hot. He led his team over the Spurs last night. Um so let's just sit back and watch what happens in, in, in the San Antonio series. Uh, the Spurs don't fail to disappoint me. And um, Popovich always has something in the bag. I mean, these guys are always there in the end. I always say they're, a, uh, they're like a college-coached, they're a college-ran organization. It's so consistent over there. It seems like the offensive and defensive schemes are always executed by the Spurs. They're just a well-ran organization. I'm picking that series to go seven games and let the Chips fall where they may. I think that game seven will be a 50-50 game. Uh, But they go back to San Antonio next game. Uh, It will be a raucous crowd over there. Let's look forward to Thursday at 8 p.m. where the Spurs will face the Denver Nuggets in San Antonio. Houston will be in Houston tonight trying to close out the Jazz in that series. I'm, I'm picking them to win tonight. Uh, I don't think that that's going to be a question. They want to get that series over with as soon as possible because they have Golden State waiting. Um, Golden State's not going to lose that series. So uh, we are in that, that. that For me, that's the finals right there. Uh, I, I, I know it's not the NBA finals. It's only the second round. I can't wait to see James Harden and the Rockets go up against the Warriors. I think the Warriors are unbeatable. You know, this is this Warriors team, remember, they won 73 games without DeMarcus Cousins or Kevin Durant. Let that sink in for a while. The core players, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, and Steph Curry, are still on that team. And they have more experience together they have a lot of mileage together which means they're tried and tested that is a solid brass team going up against a red hot James Harden and and the Rockets let's not forget the Rockets ended the season 20 and 5 I think the best record in the NBA the Rockets are a red hot team and James Harden's averaging 36 points a game in the regular season and 28 points in the playoffs, so James is not exactly slacking off. Houston was built to beat the Golden State Warriors. They have CP3, a healthy CP3, I might add, this year, and they're gelling. They have more experience together, like I had mentioned about the Warriors and Tucker and the other pieces like Gordon and Capella for Houston everybody has their their set roles and that's what makes a champion see they have their leader in James Harden yet the roles outside of James Harden are clearly defined if you look at a lot of the championship teams in our past you'll see that the teams are always led by one dominant player with The supporting cast having well-defined roles. That's something that OKC doesn't have, that's just an example, there's other teams. But Houston exemplifies this. I think this series is going to be nuclear. When Houston and the Warriors, who are inevitable to meet in this second round, play their series, we're going to see one of the best series of all time. Now. I'm picking it to go seven games, yet if it doesn't go seven games, we're still going to see fireworks. Just like the OKC Portland series. Both teams had their wake up call. The Warriors had their wake up call versus LA in that 31 point blown lead. And so did the Rockets in last game versus the Jazz breakdowns in the fourth quarter. But Houston is a different beast this year. They will recover, and as Golden State did, Golden State has made adjustments, and these are two runaway trains on the track heading right for each other, so sit down, strap yourself in, buckle up, and get ready, because this series is coming, and hopefully we'll see it this weekend. We can't forget about Kevin Durant, and we can't not talk about his job what he did versus patrick beverly after that 31 point loss and that embarrassment that where he only got up about 8 or 9 shots credit kd he did what we all wanted him to do which was face up patrick beverly go to the go just shoot over him and kd can get that shot anytime he wants he can do anything he wants virtually against any player in the nba uh, I'm not going to lie, I, I did doubt him for, for a second there. Uh, I think a lot of people did. They doubted his toughness, which um, is arguably still in question. But he really answered the bell, uh, whereas Russell, Russell Westbrook did not. Uh, you can talk all you want to talk, but at the end of the day, you have to produce. And KD just did that. Uh, what a, what a game he had, torching Beverly and torching the Clippers in that first half. Uh, KD is going to be KD, as he said, and as as Steve Kerr said, uh, if he's that aggressive, if KD can play that aggressive and confident all the time, uh, I don't want to spoil the drama, but no team has a shot. We're talking, that's an elite level of player yeah let's not forget he's almost seven feet tall he can put the ball on the floor he can drive he can shoot from almost half court the guy is unstoppable let's not forget side note he has two of the best shooters of all time on his team certainly one is the best and that's Steph curry and clay thompson might be in the top three shooters of all time imagine A guy at that level having two of the best shooters of all time. So what do you do? There's not enough double teams to go around because there's only five players on the floor. Now when you look at it standing outside and you think, well, Houston can take out the Warriors, it's almost impossible. So the Warriors would have to win – the Rockets would have to win four games in a seven-game series. Now you look back to last year and you say, well – they did bring him to seven games, and it took a, a lousy Houston shooting team, like a really lousy game, to lose. And and a Chris Paul injury, by the way. He, Chris Paul injured his, his hamstring. So there's a lot of guys out there that say that the Warriors would have lost to the Rockets. Now, my take to this is that the Warriors only play to the level of their competition, and I feel the Warriors would have won anyway last year but that's an argument that can make this year more interesting if you want to believe that i say go ahead and believe it it makes my job better and it makes the drama a lot better for the nba so let's let's hope that both of these teams take care of their series and it's over we can watch them fight each other in the play in the in the second round of the playoffs this weekend and like i said grab your popcorn because it is going to be a show speaking of shows get ready the Bucks and the Celtics are penciled in to play each other now I know we talked about the West and how fun the West is but the Bucks versus Celtics is stellar it's marquee it's about as as laced with superstardom as you can get let me just mention Kyrie Irving is in the series and Giannis is on the other team Giannis Adekumpo is playing out of his mind. He's unstoppable. He scored 41 points the other day in the Bucks' closeout game. The man is an athletic, physical specimen like we've never seen. He's one jump shot away of being the messiah of basketball. That's what I've always said. Uh, forget LeBron, forget Kobe. Um, we, we know Michael's the best. But for number two if this guy gets a jump shot he's automatically going to be penciled in as the number two best player of all time you can mark my words on that if it happens so we have Giannis and we have Kyrie going against each other Boston is just laced with superstars and we haven't seen this team yet at full strength in terms of its cohesion. So I I am one of the only guys that's picking Boston to win this series, and I'm only doing it because I know Boston hasn't reached the potential. They haven't reached their, their, their ceiling. And a lot in this series will be based upon if Boston, for at least 44, 45 minutes, can play as a team. Without Kyrie, you know, making the whole Kyrie show, and without without um, um, being a one-on-one Russell sort of a player, uh, if the Boston Celtics can play like they did last year without Kyrie, but this year with Kyrie, if they can do that for 44, 45 minutes, and then at the end of the game say, "Hey, it's Kyrie time. We're gonna give the ball to our man," if they can do that, they can beat the Bucks. Now. Bledsoe is one tough cookie he's a he's a he's a very scrappy player he's not going to let the guards just do what they want to do on Boston no matter who they run if it's Rozier uh, Kyrie whoever whoever those guards are um, they're going to have a tough time versus the Bucks defense the Bucks defense doesn't play around and if you get past those guards and and the forwards and into the paint Giannis is waiting for you so it's not going to be easy on either end now uh, Boston has such a, a a depth in their their weapon their weaponry um, from from anyone from Rozier to Brown to, to Gordon, um, the the weapons are endless and that can wind up being the difference as well versus the Bucks. Now we know the Bucks have the best the best record in the NBA, right? Um, they have surprised and impressed. Everyone this year. They have a better record than the Warriors. So technically, just on paper and technically, they are the best team. And not to seem redundant, but I feel that this series is gonna go seven games as well. This is the the in my opinion, this is the finals of the Eastern Conference. I believe that whoever wins from these two teams is going to win is going to get to the finals. Um I don't know if Philadelphia is strong enough to compete with these guys. I just don't. Um, Philadelphia shows too many kinks in the armor. And even if Joel Embiid is super healthy, I don't know if they could match up with Boston, a full-strength Boston, a cohesive Boston, or the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, let's settle in and let's see where this series brings us because it's just like Mike Tyson said, you know, you don't you have a game plan until you get punched in the face. Now, let's see how the Bucks respond to getting punched in the face. The Celtics, the Celtics have been punched in the mouth and they can respond. Speaking of responding, Philadelphia, uh, wow. Philadelphia 76ers. They I remember watching a game last night and it was about 31 to 7 I feel in the first quarter. It was 20 to 2 actually at one point. I mean, they just walloped the Brooklyn Nets and they were looking sharp. Everything was going right and they have a lot of momentum. They're playing a Toronto Raptors team in game 1 coming up. Uh, With a lot of momentum as well, a Toronto team that's playing great on all cylinders and they're well coached and they're very cohesive with Kawhi playing great on both ends. And one note I want to make here is that uh, I watch a lot of NBA basketball in my life and it's rare that I ever get to see a completely dominant specimen like Kawhi Leonard on defense. If you see he has his hand in almost every defensive play, whether it be a, a tipped ball, a a blocked shot, a steal. The guy on, on on help defense, he's he's unreal. He can recover quicker than almost anyone I've ever seen. The guy is the claw. I mean, his wingspan is phenomenal. His basketball IQ is through the roof. I mean, he was made to play. Basketball and he makes our D up podcast live up to its name because my god, Kawhi can D up one on one on anyone and team defense on anything. So, uh, kudos to Kawhi uh, for all the basketball fans out there. Just watch him, just watch his games. It might not be fun to watch those Raptor games, but. It is super exciting if you're a basketball player, especially if you pay attention to X's and O's and fundamentals of the game. Watch Kawhi Leonard. He's just fundamentally sound on both ends, yet defense is just spectacular. Not least, we have to talk about the Lakers, the franchise of disarray. (laughs) Rob Linka is still in place. Magic Johnson has stepped down. Uh, from the basketball operations, as we know, but he's still recruiting. They say he's still a guy, a point man for the Lakers. Genie Bus seems to be in control, but we don't really know. Um, it's just a, it's just a mess over there. Uh, LeBron's there. Will free agents come? We don't know, but we do know that the Lakers have fired Luke Walton and. They're interviewing for the coaching vacancy right now. Jason Kidd seems to be lined up for the Lakers coaching job. Uh, Monty Williams and Tyron Lue. Juwan Howard also is scheduled for an interview with the Lakers. And the saga continues. Uh, we'll see who takes that coaching job. And that will have a huge influence on free agency and the direction of the lakers so stay tuned thank you once again for coming here to d up podcast for your basketball information and spending it with me luis Balletta. let's just sit down watch the playoffs and tune back in here next week we're gonna have a lot more information and a lot more juicy storylines for you so thank you once again and i'll talk to you soon On Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line.